Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we certainly are in the midst of this cold snap and it is looking like it is going to get colder as we head into the weekend. And it is probably the sharpest drop in temperatures that we've seen in this country for several, several years. I actually had to check out when was the beast from the east. That was the last really, really cold spell. Now, for the beast for the east, temperatures went down as low as minus nine degrees in some areas. And that was actually March of 2018 I didn't even realise that it was you know over four and a half nearly five years ago next March I didn't realise that it was that long ago and we will all clearly remember the beast from the east and the effect that it had on this um, country so what we're expecting over the next few days is going to be thankfully nothing like the beast from the east but we are going to get very very uh, low temperatures and the thing is we've been having such mild winters over the last uh, two to three uh, years and even if you look back on November just gone November was was so mild we were constantly hearing about it and constantly saying about it how mild it was and even with Peter on the gardening slot talking about what it was doing in the gardens and buds were appearing when really they shouldn't have been appearing at all but it was nature was even getting fooled by the very mild conditions that we had now they're talking about um, and of course it's gone from mild to very cold the switch has happened very very quickly so they are talking about I met Aaron talking about possibility of light dustings of snow here in the south there's also possibility of some snow in like parts of Connacht and uh, Ulster but again they're not looking at major it's not going to be a major snow event frost seems to be is going to be the big issue and a very severe frost but there is a much more severe frost expected this evening and overnight tonight and they are saying tonight the temperatures in some parts of the country could go as low as minus 5 degrees and then as we head into uh, the weekend temperatures are going to dip even further I mean there's talks on Saturday that freezing fog could linger over some parts of the country for much of the day and they're saying Sunday is going to be much uh, the same they're saying daytime temperatures on Sunday could even be as low as minus 2 degrees and might stay at minus 2 degrees right uh, throughout the day uh, so certainly the we- the weekend is going to be bitterly bitterly cold 
and the early part of next week. That's what we're still uh, looking at. So we just don't know how long this cold snap uh, will last. And lots of the papers are talking today about this cold weather and, and obviously the cost it's going to have on families and households with uh, heating bills. But I read a good piece from uh, Sinead Ryan in the Irish Independent who was giving tips on how to survive the big uh, chill. And, and she's saying, you know, ways that we can keep warm during the current cold spell without breaking the bank and I think that's the important part of it and you know she does talk about home heating oil is one of the biggest expenses uh, this winter but uh, you know we need to keep warm and older people and very small children need to keep warm so we've got to be careful that we don't sort of not turn on the heating thinking we're going to save money and then somebody gets uh, very unwell so the advice that they've been given really I suppose since the energy crisis hit, hit is to look at your thermostat see what it's set at and 19 degrees is what you need it set at in the in all of your living areas of the house and that's what's recommended by both the, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland and indeed the government have come out and said set your thermostats to 19 uh, degrees and they go further and say if you could reduce it even to 15 degrees in the bedrooms and places like halls and, and land landings and particularly if you've you know, a two storey house the, the rising heat will do the rest that will go up and, and you know anyone who lives in a two storey house will know that the heat has a tendency to rise up and the bedrooms can get particularly warm and I know personally speaking I hate going into going into bed in, sleeping in a room that's too warm it's one of the things when you stay in hotels the other way sometimes the hotel rooms can be absolutely roasting and I certainly find it I prefer to go into a colder room and get in under a warm duvet and put extra blankets on and go to sleep that way but I certainly find it difficult to sleep in a very warm room so they're saying look maybe you could reduce the heat in your bedrooms and just keep it at uh, 15 uh, degrees Uh, this article says it's more efficient and cheaper to have heating come on at a lower temperature earlier say before you get up and then keep it on longer than actually then jacking up the thermostat only when it gets really cold that you're actually you're, you're, it's going to cost you more money on your heating but do it that way so keep the temperature on at a lower heat ra- for longer rather than aiming for it to be you know super roasting and toasty and warm when it's uh, when it gets very very cold say in the evening time now drafts are the most obvious uh, ones you've got to take a look at drafts and see if what you what you can do about drafts I mean rooms that are not in use you know things like making sure that the doors are, are closed get draft excluders you can make your own draft excluders you know by stuffing old socks into a, into a pair of tights and make your own draft excluder that way if you have an old duvet old blankets roll them up they'll all act as uh, draft excluders look at your windows see if there's any gaps see if you can block any of them your fireplace plug it up we were, we were talking about a chimney balloon uh, the other day but I mean the, the, this article is even saying roll up old towels or blankets and you know you can push them up the chimney as well obviously if you're not using the chimney close all your curtains that's an important one you open them then during the daytime if there's any sun coming in that will bring in a little bit of heat but obviously when you are looking at any you know any um, leaks that you might have or gaps that you might have and you're, you're trying to block them off be careful obviously that you don't block the air vents because it is important to keep uh, some air uh, circulating now another piece of advice is taking on hot drinks and it is important to try to keep hot drinks in all of us during this cold spell that can be anything from a lovely warm cup of tea hot lemon it can be hot chocolate even soup and the effect of slowly warming your insides is is what's important but by having hot 
drinks, you're warming your insides, but never to the point of sweating and seeming. There's been studies done to prove how important that is during a cold snap. And if you have your whatever you're drinking, your cup of tea or a cup of soup or whatever, holding your hands around a warm mug it actually acts as an external internal heating system so it's important to hold on to the drink at the uh, same time and then when you're your food try to make sure you have at least one hot meal uh, a day or at the very least make sure that you have a hot drink with every meal that you're eating and then the age old one that I think our grannies would have told us and that is to do with layering up the more layers you can put on and I know we had one of our listeners say that he worked with some from the Lithuania or Latvia one of the Eastern Bloc countries where they get really really cold winters and he, he was asking that guy uh, you know how do you how do you how did you stay warm in the very severe winters but it could go down to minus 20 degrees and he was saying it's all to do with layers the more layers you can put on you and seeming the insulation of a thin layer between your undergarment and then your shirt or your jumper or your top or whatever you're working can make a huge difference and it also can make a huge difference without bulking you up and if you can get your hands on things like thermal vests the long sleeve ones um, are by far the best that you can um, put on on put on you and then three thin layers will actually retain more heat than putting on one bulky jumper especially if the three thin layers are made from very natural fibres things if you can get your hands on cotton if you're lucky enough to have maybe some nice silk tops or wool anything like that but layer yourself up with uh, thinner uh, layers and then finally the natural thermal regulation is gained through body heat and you do body heat it's by keeping active now if it's too cold to go out or you know perhaps you are physically can't uh, go out then even just keeping active around the house walking up and down the stairs even if you're in a seated position raising and lowering your legs while sitting that all helps to keep your the blood moving around and the more you move your your blood around the more body heat you will generate so try to keep as active as pos- possible but keep those hot drinks in you and just stay as warm as you can and thank you to uh, Michael out on the Vera Peninsula who sent me in uh, a link just warning about driving conditions on some Kerry roads this morning. They are described as being in a hazardous condition and uh, Gardaí are warning people so if you're across the county listening to us or on the county bounds please drive with extreme care because some of the roads there are absolutely treacherous. Thank you for that Michael and stay safe. And Mary was on by WhatsApp to 086 2103 keeping it festive and she says hope you're all well we are thank you very much. Uh, what is it with the Christmas lights in the centre of Mallow Town? They were not on all week, according to Mary. The Christmas lights at the roundabout are lovely, but there's no star on the tree, says uh, Mary. I don't know. We'll see if we can find out because I know the official switching on has happened. I've passed the Christmas lights in Mallow. Haven't been out at night, so I haven't seen them on at night, but I've seen them during the day. Maybe it's something to do with the cost uh, factor because I know that the, the organisers of the Christmas lights in, in Mallow have set up an, an I Donate page and they're asking the people of Mallow and people who come to Mallow to do some shopping to try to contribute towards the cost of the lights because they get so much by way of a grant from the council, but it's not enough to cover it. So it's the Chamber of Commerce doing their best and the local businesses trying to come up with the money to cover the cost of the lights. And that's the way it is. It's going to be going forward as well. So they are through an I Donate people, an I Donate page asking people to contribute. So maybe it's something to do with cost. I don't know, but I'll see if I can find out for you, Mary. 
thank you for your WhatsApp. A final report on parental alienation in other jurisdictions is being reviewed by the Department of Justice as part of a process examining whether policy or change in legislation are required in Ireland to deal with the issue. So to discuss parental alienation, I'm joined by Ken Joyce of Alienated Children First uh, Group. Good morning to you, Ken. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Do you believe parental alienation is often misunderstood and misrepresented? Uh, Not deliberately misrepresented, except by criminals. But uh, uh, generally speaking, it is largely misunderstood, unfortunately, Patricia, because parental alienation is a case of, uh, you know, one parent deciding the other parent shouldn't be their children because they don't like the other parents uh, for one reason or another. Whereas, uh, you know, there are legitimate reasons where uh, a child might be estranged from uh, one of his parents because uh, that parent is not good for the child, for instance, you know, might be a, have a problem with uh, substance abuse or something like that. Uh, so, um, yes, it is confused in that regard. Um, but what we're talking about and what the Ministry is looking into, parental alienation is a case where a perfectly good, loving and capable parent is forbidden from seeing their child by their, usually uh, it's a former spouse that does it, um, and they do it for their own selfish and malicious reasons. Do we have any numbers on how many people are affected by parental alienation? We sadly do have an estimate uh, put forward by the Parental Alienation Association of Europe. Um, and it estimates, that estimates that there are, are 30,000 children in Ireland who are parentally alienated. But that number gets much bigger, Patricia, when you extrapolate it out to include all of the grandparents, the aunties, the uncles, uh, and all the extended family as well, who, of course, are also cut out of the child's lives and therefore affected by the parental alienation. Yeah, I have to say over the years I've had some heartbreaking letters, usually around this time of year, I think coming up to Christmas, from grandparents saying, yeah, they, it's, oh, it's, it's just it's heartbreaking. Just, it, it is an insidious form of child abuse, really, you know. Uh, 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 but of course, the, 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 the rejected parent doesn't know what they've done wrong. They can't understand why their children are being so horrible to them or if they see them at all. And the grandparents don't know what they've done, you know, to not be able to see their own grandchildren. And uh, and apparently it's the state that's telling them this in the legislation that they're not allowed to see their own grandchildren because of some court decision that was made by people who usually only have a couple of seconds to make a, a decision, don't have time to interact, etc. And that's why the minister was so keen to address this issue and, and hats off to um, Helen McEntee for doing this. Um, so the report now is, is, uh, is a very exciting opportunity for Ireland once again to lead the world in, by way of our progressive thinking as we move into the next millennium with a gusto. And uh, I suppose what we're really hoping is that um, what we'll see in this report, Patricia, are nine specifics, and they are, number one, the, the definition. What is parental alienation? So that there are, is no ambiguity. We want the government to tell us what they believe to be. Now, 
10 somatically has cut her, cut one up before, but we just need it to be made official. Number two, a, a recognition that this that this kind of abuse is the same as any other kind of child abuse and does exactly the same type of harm as any other kind and, of child And abuse. it gets called out as child abuse. Oh, well, all the psychologists say it's child yeah. abuse. Yeah. And they say that it's, uh, you know, any form of child abuse has exactly the same effect in terms of, you know, the, the, the child ends up uh, with an insecurity with regards to having any kind of long-term relationship. Uh, they can get into substance abuse, uh, premature or sexual activity, all these kinds of things are very typical of any child that's been abused. And this is just, you know, one of the latest forms that has come to light, I suppose, in the public arena. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's also difficult to diagnose for practitioners and particularly for the court. So, you know, another thing that we're hoping this report will bring out is an accepted system by which we can identify parental alienation. The psychologists use what they call a five-factor model um, in the States, but it would be great if Ireland were to adopt the same system, you know. And also, of course, all of the frontline workers uh, in this, and uh, there I speak of, uh, you know, TUSLA and domestic abuse workers, um, the judges, psychologists, school abuse, etc., they all need to know what parental alienation is and what the signs are, because otherwise they can take a case of parental alienation and, you know, act on uh, something completely different, believing it not to be, not knowing what parental alienation is. So another thing that would be very helpful would be, you know, procedures and guidelines to be drafted up for the judiciary. Um, and I think that was one of the main things that the minister was hoping to achieve. But there's also a huge problem in this, Patricia, with false allegations of broken court orders. Because even if you get into court and the judge does say, yes, this is a case of parental alienation, and from now on the children are to see their mother every uh, second weekend, and you know, whatever it happens to be, regardless of anything else that goes on, if they hand down an order, well, the alienating father could just decide, well, I'm going to ignore that. And unfortunately, there are no repercussions for people who break these orders, you know. Uh, any more than there are for people who make uh, who perjure themselves in court by telling lies about the other parent and make false allegations, often of the most horrendous nature, about their former spouse, such that any judge can say, "Oh, can't have children because near that parent," you know. But then they turn out to be false. Nothing, nothing happens. happens. Yeah, nothing yeah. Ha- so why would they not do it again? You know. I, I'm, I'm assuming your group. You did you make a submission to the Department of Justice? Indeed, we did yeah. several times over. Uh, yeah, we've made uh, submissions at every opportunity uh, given to us, um, and we have uh, we've had meetings with the and we continue to have meetings with TUSLA on a regular basis and with the Department of Justice on a regular basis. Our, our representatives are in there and, and working to, to try and assist as best we can. Our main focus, of course, is the children here. Um, because they are the ones who will carry the multi-generational damage um, and they are the ones who will become dysfunctional in society and ultimately affect society and cost the taxpayer billions and uh, uh, because their lives will be destroyed by them. Do you feel it's good that the department is looking to see how other jurisdictions are handling the issue? Sure, there's no point reinventing the wheel. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's a way to do it. It's, it's, it's really it's typical of the Irish government, you know. 
nowadays and the wonderful approach they have to things. I mean, we were one of the first countries in the world to introduce gay marriage. And, and you know, 40 years ago in Ireland, if you had told people to be gay marriage in Ireland, they would have laughed at you. Yeah, we, were, yeah. we, were, we were so backward in coming forward. I think that when we did decide, right, that's it. Now we're 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 coming out as a nation, if you like, and uh, we we really leapt forward. You know, for mm. many years, I remember being told uh, as a kid in school, "Oh, Ireland has the most advanced telephone system in the world." And I said, "How is that?" Because we were the last ones to get one. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is as you say. It is all. I mean, our constitution says we must cherish all of our children, and uh, there are uh, you know a cohort of children and a large cohort of children who are certainly not being um, uh, cherished because of this uh, parental alienation. And Ken, this time of year, coming up to Christmas, very difficult for parents who can't, through no fault of their own, are not getting access you, to their you, children. You have no idea. You have no idea what it's like for a parent uh, to sit down and watch the late, late toy show on their own with a glass of wine, knowing that their kids are out there somewhere else watching it and they can't be with them or you know on Christmas morning to come down to look at the Christmas presents underneath the tree that they'll have to mail to the kids because they know that they're not going to see them or you know to be sending Christmas cards to your own children knowing full well they'll be intercepted and the child will never see them you know it really is and and not just for the alienated parents but for you said earlier the the grandparents the aunties the uncles and and ultimately the real victims in all of it which are so fundamental to our intrinsic being as we get older, you know. I mean, it, our childhood is everything. All the psychologists tell us that. So if you had a childhood filled full of hatred and, uh, you know, animosity from, from half of yourself towards the other half of yourself, it's not going to, it's not going to bode well for your security as, a, as an adult, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, saw, I saw a post in, in January earlier on this year of a, a family who had sent on you know toys for two little ones who they've been completely alienated from and uh, it got returned to sender and it arrived back after Christmas and it was just you know and as a family they were looking to uh, to see they passed them on to other children but I just thought the heartbreak of opening the front door and here's the postman returning the package that they had so lovingly put together with these two little ones in mind and yet these two little ones never received them and would be of the belief you know that dad's family have just forgotten about them Indeed and often told oh well you know, dad or mum mustn't love you because they didn't yeah, send you a Christmas yeah. present, you know, uh, and, and then they grow up to hate Adults can be so cruel. They can be so cruel. Well, unfortunately, the adult is really loving themselves in this situation and not their children. They're putting themselves before their children, and that, that's wrong. It's just fundamentally wrong at any level. You have to put your kids first, and even if you don't like your ex-spouse, you still have to turn up to the communion and, the, and, and whatever and allow the child to like it. So, look, it's, it's very simple and very wrong, um, but it gets very, very convoluted and complicated when you get into court. And, of course, the lawyers can make the most simple of scenarios into the most incredibly complex and, un, you know, something that just can't be understood by any intelligent person at all because of the um, what they call obfuscation.
right. Okay. Well, let's let's hope some good comes out of this uh, department. Well, keep of, the fingers crossed. Yeah, we have a, we have a tree for those parents actually this year as well in Virginia, uh, uh, which we've put up, and we're we're accepting uh, if, if if there are parents out there who don't have or grandparents or uncles that don't have contact with their loved uh, uh, younger relatives. Uh, be they child, uh, niece, nephew, grandchild, whatever, they can in- email us at info at, uh, sorry, at media at alienated.ie and we will put that child's name up on the Christmas tree on a little wooden plaque for them and we send them a photograph of that. Oh, and, that's really uh, sweet. That's something they can cherish as so well. That's me- media at alienated.ie. And the website is just alienated.ie for any general help that people need. Okay, listen, we leave it there, no doubt. We'll speak again, uh, Ken. In the meantime, thank you for that. Have a happy Christmas. And very many happy returns to you and all your listeners, Patricia. And thanks thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Ken Joyce of Alienated uh, Children First. Now, as we mentioned yesterday, parents, doctors and schools are being urged to watch out for signs of strep A in children as it can cause serious and life-threatening illnesses. Irish pharmacist Sheena Mitchell joins me with advice on the signs that people need to look out for. Good morning to you, Sheena. Good morning. You're, you're very welcome. I suppose, can you firstly outline what strep A is? And you also need to talk about its relationship to scarlet fever. That's right, yeah. So strep A basically is a bacteria that 20% of people will carry on their skin and throats and not even realise. But there are a group of diseases that are caused by strep A. So one of them is scarlet fever. Another one we know a bit more about probably is strep throat. So, you know, an infected sore throat. And then you also have impetigo, which is a common contagious illness in children, which causes a rash around their mouth and hands. So the reason there's so much talk about scarlet fever at the minute in relationship to the invasive group A streptococci is that in the UK, they monitor the numbers of scarlet fever that are within the community. In Ireland, we don't. We just monitor the levels of the invasive form of strep A. So we don't have accurate figures um, on the levels of strep A within our community, of scarlet fever within our communities. But we know from the UK that, you know, between kind of October, November period, there was a fourfold increases, increase in the amount of scarlet A or scarlet fever, apologies, circulating in the community. So anytime you have an increase in strep A infections within the community, then there is a potential and it is a rare disease for it to for, forward on to an invasive form of infection. Um, But there is the potential. And I think it's in everyone's minds this week due to the loss of the little girl in the Republic um, from this bacterial And We had the little girl in in Belfast uh, a couple of days uh, before. It's just it's dreadful. And, And so do we do what are the reported cases so far then on strep A? So on strep A, and this is where it gets even more interesting. So at the moment for the invasive group strep A for the year to date, there's only been 55 cases. Okay. if you look back over the past two years, yes, that's an increase. There used, you know, in 2021, there was only 34. But if you look further back to pre-pandemic levels, it averaged around 120 cases a year. So we're still lower than, you know, pre-COVID era. However, with the raise of scarlet fever, which we kind of nearly need to assume is happening here as much as it is in the UK, 
there is a potential for that to go up a little bit. But important to emphasize to parents that scarlet fever, you know, is something that has circulated at low levels within our community every year. And GPs, you know, know exactly how to treat it. There are antibiotics which will work against it. It's We, we at least have something in our arsenal, not like with, you know, say COVID mm. or bronchiolitis where you can just an RSV where you can just offer supportive care. Okay, so what are the symptoms that parents need to look out for? I suppose firstly with the strep A. Yeah, so strep A, really you're looking for any kind of strep A infection. So at the moment, the focus is on scarlet fever, but it also, um, you know, any kind of sore throat and fever where there's white spots on the throat. And then in terms of scarlet fever, children tend to develop what's known as a strawberry tongue. So it's a red tongue with white little spots on it. And sometimes that can actually cause a bit of swelling and it can end up with a white coating on it. Um, Also, a child with scarlet fever will get a rash two to three days after they start feeling unwell. It often is very rough like sandpaper and it can be red and bumpy. And it usually starts on the torso and then spreads onto other areas like the legs and arms. Um, So I suppose other than that, then it's general uh, symptoms. So, you know, headache, maybe a bit of nausea, high fever. So any of those symptoms would indicate that your child has, I suppose, a routine group A infection. In terms of the invasive group A, so in the rare cases where that bacteria then manages to make its way into the bloodstream, the fever will persist. You know, a child will get severe muscle aches. They may become dizzy due to low blood pressure, um, a little bit disorientated, confused, stomach pain, nausea, that kind of thing. So really you're watching out for signs of severe illness. Scarlet fever can be managed some cases at home itself without any kind of intervention. And most cases of scarlet fever will be mild. But obviously, if you suspect um, scarlet fever, it is important to go to the doctor because they may decide to give your child an antibiotic because an antibiotic can reduce the length of time that the strep A infection is contagious from two weeks to 24 hours. So this obviously reduces the risk of it spreading within the community. Interesting that you mention antibiotics and that, you know, it's, it's great that we have anti- antibiotics. But I saw on the paper today that GPs are voicing concerns about a shortage of penicillin, which seemingly is the first line uh, treatment for yeah. strep A infection. You're a, a pharmacist are, and seemingly yeah. we're not the only country to see a short in, in short supply. Yeah. And I was talking about this today on a television programme. Um, basically, penicillin antibiotics at the moment are in a bit of short supply. But I would urge patients not to panic because there are second line treatments, treatment options, which are also effective against strep A. So, you know, there's clarithromycin is currently still available. So I'm kind of urging GPs to write a first and second line option of antibiotic on every prescription they're writing for strep infections, because this will reduce the stress on the patient collecting the prescription from their pharmacy and enable the pharmacists to give whatever antibiotic you know, which is suitable and available at that time. Yeah, and it's interesting that I have you on today because yesterday when we were talking about um, just from a newspaper piece about strep A and we were saying, you know, people need to contact doctors or whatever, we had a flurry of calls in from people saying that they are finding it very difficult to get appointments to see their uh, GPs. And I mentioned about popping into the, the, the pharmacist. I mean, you guys are always happy to offer advice. 
completely. We always say, you know, through the whole COVID pandemic, our doors never shut. Like you can walk into any pharmacy and ask to speak to the pharmacist and we will always do our best to help. So, you know, it's it's difficult. Obviously, we don't diagnose. So but we can recommend treatments that you can do at home. So pain relief and whether or not we you know, you're describing any warning symptoms to us that may indicate a referral to A&E is worthwhile. Um, And, you know, I suppose a lot of these sicknesses literally can can be managed at home. So just getting advice on hydration and signs of dehydration and what's a normal cough and what's potentially, I suppose, a difficult cough for a child, because especially young babies can struggle to get enough oxygen if they're suffering from a bad dose of bronchiolitis. And um, so anyone, you know, we'd always advise anyone who's having any difficulty breathing or notices their child having any kind of discoloration of blue around their mouth to get themselves straight to A&E. Um, but we're certainly always available to to help and advice. Yeah. And just to, I think sometimes just to somebody say, no, it's OK, you don't need to go to a doctor with that, particularly when people are trying to get into their local GP. Pat wants to know, could you ask Sheena, please, with uh, strep A, should people be wearing masks back to the old COVID yeah. and the hand hygiene so, and all of that? Absolutely. So the HSE, so there's two HSE kind of statements recently. One of them was in relation to RSV and urging um, people visiting families that have young babies at home, urging those people to wear masks in those households because babies are so vulnerable to it. Um, with this, it also passes by droplets. So the other problem is it also passes by, you know, I suppose, um, hand hygiene in kids so in schools it would be a good idea to go back and ensure that surfaces are being wiped down and in childcare settings that toys are being wiped down like it's not the news that any of us want to hear mm. when we thought we'd come through the pandemic but unfortunately yeah back to basics good infection control which we've had to learn over the last two years could really help to reduce the spread of these diseases. And Sheena, COVID hasn't gone away. I, I can't get over the number of people I'm hearing that are getting COVID or have a family member down with COVID at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. And I think a lot of the times, you know, we're maybe not testing as much as we used to. So I'd kind of wonder, is it even more prevalent than we realise? But I think with COVID, ultimately, again, if you can manage it at home, the key thing here is to keep any person home from a school or mixing environment if they're showing any kind of signs of fever, cough or sore throat. Because between RSV, COVID, strep A and flu, which is really starting to circulate now as well. And I'd also urge people, you know, to take up the the free um, flu vaccine for children between the ages of two and 18. It's so easy to give. Like, I never have any trouble in the pharmacy giving it. And I've given hundreds this, this great. year alone. Great. Um, okay. Kids are great. Okay. Yeah. Listen, a mind of information as always. Sheena, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Sheena Mitchell, who is a, a runs a community pharmacy in Milltown in Dublin. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Now, a number of your calls and comments coming into the programme. I kicked off the programme in the last hour talking about the weather and giving advice on people to try to stay warm without breaking the bank. Well, I've been taken to task for talking about the weather by a couple of listeners. But one person says, hi, Patricia. Oh, my God. I can't believe the sensationalism about a few cold days. After all, it is December and it is the run up to Christmas. What else would we expect? Only frost. It's just typical of how the media has gone. Everything has become a big drama. No wonder people are full of anxiety listening to constant negative reporting. I thought I was being positive and giving some tips on how people could stay warm. Thank you for your WhatsApp, though. And somebody else says we we get nothing compared to what other countries get during wintertime. It's lovely weather for this time of year. It's only for a few days. There'll be rain on the way. Something else for people to complain about next week. We love to talk about the weather. I suppose that's what that proves more than anything else. Thank you for your text, though, to 086 103103. When I was speaking with Sheena, the pharmacist, I mentioned about COVID because I'm hearing of a number of people down with COVID at, at the moment. And somebody made the point that COVID will never go away. Yeah, we're just we're learning to live with it now, I think, uh, more than ever. And that's what we have to do. And that's why, you know, you, you hope with vaccines and boosters and whatever, when people get COVID, that they're not as sick as what they were before we ever had a uh, vaccine. But yeah, we just have to learn to live with it. Thanks for your text. Now, a couple of other texts coming into us. This one, I, I wasn't even aware of this. This is to do with the motor tax office. Morning, Patricia. Could you please find out why the motor tax office is closed? In all honesty, I went up on Monday to tax my car. This is getting beyond ridiculous, this working from home. There's no need for this any longer. Most people are now back in their workplace. The public service are becoming an absolute joke. I can't renew my motor tax online. Now, I did get my friend's daughter to do it for me during COVID times and during the pandemic when all those public offices was closed. But she's unfortunately emigrated lately, so she's not available. All of those workers should be back at work at this stage. I am so annoyed. By God, if I had my life all over again, I'd be looking for a job in the public sector. City Hall appears to be the same. There's no one ever there. They're either all working from home. I'm here minding my grandchildren as my daughter has to go to work, as does my son-in-law. So a very, very frustrated uh, listener. I was, I had to check because I was unaware that the motor tax office is still closed to the public. I thought it would have been reopened by now. So I went onto their website. Now, they do say that the quickest and easiest way is to do it online at motortax.ie, but not an option for our listener. But if you have difficulties renewing online, they say that you can do a postal application if that's of any use to you. But the motor tax forms have got to be downloaded from online. So you're going to have to get online to download it and then you post it into the motor tax office on the Model Farm Road. Now, I've also spotted that in cases where people need to attend the Cork Motor Tax Office in person, you can access an online booking system. Again, they're sending people back online where you can book an appointment. That's on yourcouncil.ie bus. They say that appointments can also be booked through their customer contact centre and it's a city number 021 four five four four five six six that's oh two one four five four four five six six so you can go in in person you can't just walk in off the street as you used to do before so I, what I would suggest to our listener is ring that number if you because if you're not able to get online to do to pay the tax I'm assuming you can't get online to book a slash to go in in person so you can call them on their customer contact 
uh, at their customer contact centre 0214544566 and hopefully you'll be able to get an appointment sooner rather than uh, later. And then Michael in Castle Tamber is talking about the Donald DeRosta uh, case uh, which is making all of the papers uh, today. Hi Patricia, I am so uh, delighted after what has been an extremely long 50 years plus of what must be mental torture that Lieutenant Donald DeRosta for a flawed and unfair dismissal has at last received a long and overdue apology. Patricia, there is no compensation that will reimburse the lieutenant and his family for the untold damage that it has done. In Michael's opinion, it cost his sister A.D. Roach a fair shot at the presidency of Ireland a number of years ago. The muck and the filth that was heard of that woman was shocking. However, apologies are better late than never. Michael said, I want to wish the whole family circle, the whole Roach family circle, an extremely happy and uh, a joyful Christmas. And there's actually pictures of Donald DeRoche in all of the papers today. And it is hard to believe something that happened back in 1969. And here we are in 2022. Uh, he's now getting his public apology from the government and he has been... He has received some kind of uh, compensation, obviously, that that's not been that has not been um, publicly declared, which is which is fine. But uh, an undisclosed settlement has been reached uh, following a lengthy investigation by the senior counsel, Niall Byrne. And it was yesterday it was Simon Coveney who gave the unreserved apology on behalf of the government to Donald for what happened back in 1969 when he definitely was wrongly uh, accused and I do know I mean Aidy Roach would be a good friend of mine and I know over the years I would have spoken to her and um, what happened to Donald would have been mentioned and you know she always spoke about how it absolutely shattered her entire uh, family and you know on something that was a wrongful decision and the battle that Donald was having to try to clear his name and, and here we are in at the end of 2022 and he finally has been able to clear his name and, and actually I saw in the Sean O'Reardon in the Irish Examiner uh, today was speaking with AD yesterday and uh, uh, she said that um, our family was left with years of pain and incomprehension by that decision that took away his integrity, his good character, his good name and that of the family. She said we suffered all those years without any redress of justice until now. And she says Donal is now free to walk tall and walk proud as he's now finally free of that dark shadow of blame and wrongful arrest and dismissal from the uh, army. So, yeah, so it is a little bit of good news, even if it's coming uh, over, over 50, year, 50 years. It's in, whatever it is, whatever about the Defence Forces, whenever there are, are mistakes made, they do, it does seem to take a really excessive long period of time for somebody to come out and put their hands up and say yeah absolutely a mistake was made 0818 103 John Paul taking your calls um, you can text or WhatsApp the programme to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With the new Charleville Nursing Home Find their current available positions at molumhealthcare.com forward slash careers the Donkey Sanctuary in Liscara, they've got a number of vacancies. They're looking for a fundraising operations assistant. They're looking for a visitor experience manager. And they're also looking for a farm worker slash groom. Full details are on the C103 website or you can check out the donkeysanctuary.org.uk. The Kayla Child Care in Mallow, they're looking for a child care practitioner. Email CVs please to childcare.supervisor at lakayla.org. 
frc.ie. A dairy farm worker is wanting to work in Mallow. Now, you need to have a PPS number and you also need to have your own transport. Call 087 297 9018. And a senior accounts executive is required to work in the Bandon area. CVs, please, to dcullinam at glasslinvets.ie. Now, you will find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. A report from Edwards Life Sciences has said over 65s play a pivotal role in society and the lives of younger people through the likes of volunteering, mentoring or indeed providing care. Here in Cork, 19% of over 65 say they regularly volunteer within their local community. And one of them, Liz Downs from Mitchellstown, joins me this morning to share her experience of volunteering with the Irish Girl Guides. And she's been doing that for over 40 years. Good morning to you, Liz. Good morning, Patricia. You're Thank you for allowing me on your program. Well, it's great to chat to you. And it is an amazing uh, achievement to have been with one group for over 40 years. So I take it no signs of slowing down, is there? No, the older <laughs> I'm getting, the fresher I'm getting, Patricia, because I'm involved with the younger people. They make you feel young at heart. And, it, you know, it's great. They're brilliant. Can you remember why you decided to get involved with Girl Guides all those years ago? Oh, I remember when, Patricia, my daughter, um, she was just seven years of age and a few of her friends were in brownies. That's the younger section of the Girl Guides. So I brought her into Girl Guides and the first day she went in, she came home with a letter saying there's a parents meeting next week and we would like all parents to attend the meeting. And of course, I was being a good mother. I went to the meeting and they were looking for volunteers. And I said, I don't know anything about the Girl Guides, but if I can be of help, just let me know. And that was back in 1979, and I'm there since. And they took the hand and all off you, and they and said, come in quick. <laughs> come in, and they taught me one day a week, one yeah. hour a week, and it worked out as, well, you know, you can advance yourself. You can just do one hour a week, you know. But um, I, being that type of person, I want to get involved. I became a trainer, an outer advisor, a commissioner, and, and I'm there now supporting um, and training uh, young adults into the guide program. Brilliant. So Br- brilliant. brilliant. And um, are you seeing children of previous little girls who would have been brownies and girl guides and now well, their children are coming to you? Well, Patricia, that's funny, to be honest. When I get the children in now, I don't want to know who their mothers are. I want to know who their grannies are. Oh, my because, goodness. Yeah, yeah, because I know their grannies better than I know their mams. Oh, yeah, I have third generation, and it's brilliant. And the funny thing is, there was one girl here in Mitchellstown that um, was out in Australia for years, and she was back about two months ago, I'd say. And she said, hi, Liz. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know you. You don't remember Mishteen, the girl guys? Oh, I said, you blossomed into a beautiful young woman. I didn't recognize you. I said, and uh-huh. thanks for recognizing me. And she said, I will never forget the girl guides and what I learned and what I was able to bring forward into my business. She said, oh, it was brilliant. Oh, and that, yeah. to me, is means everything. Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's girls around the town who've grown up and, and, and you would regularly see them. Oh, gosh, yeah. And have a chat. 
And I'd always say to him, look, if you have an hour to spare, pop up. And actually, one of my girl guides that I had uh, about 15 years ago, she's now one of my leaders with me. So, you know, um, and they do come in and they help. And, you know, a lot of them can't commit because they're working and I can understand that and their families. But like they said, Liz, we'll see you sometime, maybe next year or the year after. And they would. And if I need them for transport or for to come up and do something different, like we have some of them are hairdressers, some of them are doctors actually here in town, and they come up and talk to the girls on different issues. So I use them for that as well. well you know. And I have to yeah. say, I, I was a brownie and uh, a girl guide just up the road from you in uh, Clonmel. I think I stuck with it until I was about 15, 16. Uh, and I can yeah. honestly say, I look when I look back on my childhood, some of my happiest memories were to do with brownies and, and girl guides. It's, it's just a wonderful organisation. Yeah, well, it was funny now. Um, my husband collected me the other night at Guides because um, he had the car, some, he had something on, so he had the car. And when I came out from Guides, Chloe, the girl that had been with me years ago, um, she said, how are you pets to my husband? And I said, Chloe, do you remember my husband? I do, she said. I remember him up for Halloween. We always went to Glengarry Woods. And she said he used to frighten us up there, she said, <laughs> with the games and with it. But, like, she said, oh, my gosh, she said, I'll always remember that. So he couldn't remember her, but she remembered uh, him. How fabulous. And, isn't yeah. that lovely? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and over the 40 years, Liz, have you seen children change through the generations? Oh, big time, um, Patricia. It's sad in one way. Um, we'd say 10 years ago I saw the change coming in. You know, parents separating, um having partners like what is the definition of family anymore Patricia you know and is that affecting the children it can it can affect them because when it came to going camping I'd have to get permission from both parents and to cover insurance purposes and to cover myself as well and uh, the girls will come up and say Liz um, I don't meet daddy now for a while and has daddy to sign my form or have mammy to sign my form and I would say don't worry, Pet, I'll sort all that out for you. Don't worry. And, like, I would sort it out. But, like, a young one of 11, 12, 13 having that problem, um, Patricia, like, we grew up in great times. I mean, we were with the freedom of speech, the freedom to go where we like. But nowadays, they don't have that. So I must cater for that as well. And you know what? I look forward. I don't look backwards. Mm-hmm. So we have great communication with the girls and uh, they listened to me about things long ago and about how that we had in technology. And I, I, you know, when I take them camping now, I only allow them the phone for one half an hour in the evening. Mm. So when I said that before I took them camping, only about 10 or 12 girls came camping with me out of my 30. And I thought, oh, my God, I should have given them their phones. But no. So when the girls that came with me camping went back and told the girls such a great time they had without the phones, then the following year, I'm all camping. Well done. Well so, done. So, 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 so a lot, yeah. a lot of the, the the skills and the different things that I would have done as a child, you're still doing. You're still going, still lighting the fires. Oh, still lighting the fires. That's where we get all the information. That's where we get to know the girls. That's where they get to know me as well. Because I often hear the girls saying, make a cup of tea for Liz and she'll be in massive form <laughs> and she'll be singing and she'll be doing that because they know I love my cup of tea. And you know, and that's brilliant. And the girls will be sitting at the campfire and they'll be cuddling one another and talking about different things. And sometimes I might as well not be there at all. And more times I'd be included in the laughing and the joking. And that's great as well. So know. is it still as, is it as strong as ever? Or do you struggle oh. to get girls to get involved? 
Well, it's funny you asked that now, Patricia, because um, because of the COVID, I lost a lot of volunteers in Mitchellstown. And I, we were on Zoom. Now, I couldn't stay on Zoom for too long because every time I was on Zoom and I, we were talking serious stuff or having fun or whatever, somebody would arrive with a cat or a dog or with a teddy and they'd be all laughing. And I thought, this Zoom isn't going down well for me, you know. But that was fine as well. But so in September, the 17th of September of this year, I held an open night and I had it in Forest Hall. And I said to myself, God, I hope people would turn up this open night because we hadn't guides with two years face-to-face. Oh, my God, Patricia, the hall was full. Brilliant. The well, need I, yeah. was there for us. The yeah, I, I would say to any parent with little yeah. girls, and obviously yeah. the same for the boys with the boys. Have you yeah. Boy Scouts in Mitchellstown as well? We have, have and you, they're yeah. mixed, Patricia. And like, oh, that's changed. Yeah, that's changed. Was, yeah, it has, but we're an all-girl organisation, okay. and I was worried when they did go mixed, would we lose the girls? But no. No, no. no. Well done. No. Well, 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 well done. And then, you know, this this whole report has come out, you know, is, is talking about the role that people over the age of 65, people are retired and the role they play in society. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it's important for young people to spend time with the older generation? Oh, God, yeah, Patricia, very much so. Um, I'm actually writing a book even about growing up in the 50s and the 60s because I think it's so important that the older people would sit down and have a chat with their grandchildren or with friends or whatever and have the communication link always open for them because that's what they need as well. They need a little bit of clarity about the way things happened long ago and the way things are now and they need the friendship. They need somebody to listen to them and we need to hear them what they're saying you know, and listen to them as well. So it's very, very important. Very important. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, you, if you're ever talking with young people, you can tell the ones that have very close ties and bonds with grandparents because they've got that respect level for older people and that comes from being with older people a lot. Oh, I agree with that, Patricia. And the one thing that I will make sure the girls have for us is respect. And they have. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. But you'd always get the odd one to say something. You just take them to one side and say, hang on a minute now, that wasn't nice. 
But look, don't let it happen again. You're fine, we'd say then. You know, and I think what's wrong with the generation of today, Patricia, is um, the parents are allowing them technology even at mealtime. Mm-hmm. They're allowing them to go upstairs and use technology. And that, to me, is sad because there's no communication. There's no uh, conversation going on. It you know, drives me so, cuckoo when I'm out watching yeah. people out in a restaurant yeah. or out, out and I was away last weekend and we were yeah. in for the weekend and it, I, I kept saying to my husband I, I feel like going over and shaking them and saying put down your phones and talk to each other and he was like please don't do anything like that but it's just watching people spending a full evening all out together all dressed up you know having great yeah. night out with the girls and everybody on their yeah. phone you might as well stay at home Exactly, exactly. So I and they're not allowed to bring their phone to guides either. Yeah. Because what I now if they bring them, they're not allowed to use them. Because like I say, look, and like one of the girls said to me, but if I need, if Mam will ring me, God. I said if Mam will ring you, she has my mobile number, sure. and I will tell you. If it's that urgent, can, yeah, it's if yeah, it's, if you it's can that use urgent. my phone. There's no problem. We always have that. We'll always have phones for parents, no matter where we go or what we do. It's not that they're they are isolated from us. They're not. We have our phones and we give them to the girls, you know. And if the girls were very, 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 very upset, I would let them take them out uh, to one side yeah. and let them use yeah, my phone. Yeah, of course. So, of course. you know, yeah, yeah. Because and and outside, outside of guiding, are you in, what else are you involved in locally? Are you there for half an hour, <laughs> Patricia? <laughs> and I had a funny feeling you were going to say that. You, you, you're very yeah, much involved in the community. Well, Patricia, I went through a lot, um, you know, years ago, um, you know, and the three generation got killed that time. And I want to give back what the people of Mitchelstown gave me at that time, you know. And um, then my husband got MS in 1979 and he was blessed. He got a cure in Knock in 1985. And all of that, Patricia, made me very spiritual and made me want to go out there and pass on to others, you know, uh, my happiness, my state of mind that I'm you know in a good place and that thanks to all the people out there who supported me all through the years so I think I'm giving back what I received and I think Patricia if you give back to others you'll get it back in the double I firmly believe in that yeah I've just seen a lovely text in from uh, Councillor Declan Hurley down in West Cork to say, hi, Trish, I had the pleasure of meeting Liz Downs when I was mayor. What a powerhouse of a woman and the admiration that the young people have for her. It was a pleasure to meet her and to feel her zest for life and the young. Best wishes to Liz and continued success in her great work. So you left a lasting impression on the then county mayor. Uh, oh, Declan Hurley. He's a oh, lovely man. Declan was lovely. He came down and he spoke to the girls. And on the night, they were receiving proficiency badges. Now, proficiency badges can be a farmer's badge if we have a farmer's daughter. It can be a sewing badge. It can be a laundress badge. You know yourself, Patricia. Yeah, you were yeah. Inside. yeah. So that night, we were giving out farm badges to a couple of girls who did a farming badge, you know. And uh, Declan spoke highly of farming. He said he comes from that background and... You know, oh, he was brilliant on the night. I really enjoyed the night with him. And we gave him a small little presentation and he said to me, that's the first time I ever received anything, he said, like <laughs> that. But that was a big thank you to him. And he's a lovely fellow and I wish him well. Well, as well. he remembers you. He remembers you well uh, as well. Yeah, OK, and, and then coming out of the, the whole pandemic, do you think, Liz, I mean, obviously you're so out there and proactive yeah. and it's fantastic yeah. and that's what's keeping you young at heart as well yeah. but you think that some people are suffering from the isolation caused by the pandemic and that there are some people are finding it hard to re-engage 
Oh, God, yeah, Patricia. Oh, very much so. And, you know, there's a, a lot of businesses now that's doing click and collect. Now, while that is very good for some people, I worry about older people using that because I'm not coming out meeting people face to face. And I think it's important for people, you know, to have the friends, keep a diary of what they're doing every day, keep the communication lying op- open to their friends. And, you know, uh, here in Mitchellstown, we're blessed uh, with an age-friendly committee and we have a social club. And they're 70 now involved in the social club. And, they're, you know, they have a better lifestyle than I have. They have a better social life. They're here everywhere, which is brilliant. And so, yeah, I believe in what you're saying. Um, the COVID-19 did have a very bad impact on a lot of people. And that's sad. But, like, we're hoping that parents, like children and grandchildren, are keeping their, 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 you know, their grandparents happy and all that. And that's one thing I passed on to the girl guides as well. Um, during the COVID-19, I got them all to um, ha- make a card, their own card, and a thank you to all the post ladies and the postmen out there and to the Gardaí. And they send them, they handed them actually personally um, to um, the front-end workers, and that was brilliant. And mm-hmm. it made the girls aware as well, you know, this is happening, this is what the older people are going through, and, and you know, and I also got the girls to go to their grandparents, you know, and do recycling with them and help them to put out the bins and, you know, leave a bunch of flowers there. And, you know, so all that was a help. But, yeah, it had a, a very a, yeah. a, a and, and, and And people need to reach out to to, to older people because yeah. oh, uh, sometimes the yeah. older person finds it hard to, to reach out but just that knock on the yeah. door how are you doing and whatever yes. listen yeah. you um you you're you're a fantastic woman long may you uh, continue and it's been a real real pleasure chatting with you on the program this morning have a great christmas and hi to everybody in guiding in Mitchellstown and indeed right across cork city and county well, Patricia, thank you so much for having me and I hope you'll have a lovely day and I wish you and your team all the best for Christmas and a Happy New Year and keep up the good work yourself as well, Patricia. Thanks and for that. We're off to Bandingard, the station for this week's uh, Garda Fire where I'm joined by Sergeant uh, Connor McCarthy. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning, Patricia. And let's start with some incidents, the first of which happened outside of Skibbereen. That's right, uh, Patricia. On Sunday morning, the 27th of November, in the early hours, a fire occurred at Coolbawn Car, Skibbereen. A large shed which contained machinery and vehicles um, was damaged and there was extensive damage caused to the to the premises and the, the vehicles by the fire. Uh, we're asking anyone who may have been in the area or may, or may have seen or heard anything, something unusual that uh, may have dash cam between the hours of 1am to 4am on Sunday the 27th to contact PRD in Clannacilty on 023 882 Yeah, because the sheds going on fire is not something we often report here on, on the Garda Fire. No, it's uh, not something we'd be uh, regularly having to r- report, but it, uh, it was quite a, a large fire and it was uh, serious in nature. So we're, we're asking anyone, for, uh, the, any, anybody that may have been in the area and any, any public uh, member of the public that may have information to, to provide same to us um, and uh, we'd be glad to take uh, any information they may have. Now, we mentioned this uh, last week when we were talking about gangs going going around the country, particularly in rural areas. This is to do with the theft of cows from a farm in Bantry. That's right. The Gardaí at Bantry are investigating the theft of eight cows from a farm in the area around Lisclarig East, Ahadown, Ballyhob. 
uh, between uh, 6 p.m. on the 12th of November and 10 a.m. on the 15th of November. Uh, the animals included five Frisian heifers who are in calf and three Aberdeen Angus bullocks. Um, we we're just anxious to repeat uh, our request for information again that someone it might have to refresh someone's memory. They may have noticed something uh, something in the air, someone acting suspicious around the area prior to the event or around the time. And if anyone noticed anything out of the ordinary, we're asking them to contact Bantry Garda Station on 027 20860. Yeah, because it's, it's devastating on the farmers involved and, and farming is can be tricky enough uh, to earn a living from without something like this uh, happening. It's shocking. Absolutely. It really it, is, is shocking. It, it is shocking. Now, again, another, this is kind of an unusual one. This is damage done to a, a punt. That's right. Um, a punt at Lehenbog Pier uh, between the 6th and the 23rd of November 22. A 12-foot white punt was cut in three places with what appears to be a saw. The three incisions are approximately, uh, they're, they're quite deep and there was a, some of the paddles were damaged also. And any information that people may have, uh, we're asking them to contact Castletown Bear Garda Station on 0277 uh, It's an unusual one, but we're, we're hoping someone might have noticed something and might be able to assist us in investigating this matter. Okay, and the Guardian Ballon has to go looking into something. I don't know if this was an attempt to steal the car or was it just criminal damage? Uh, that's correct, uh, Patricia. Guardian Ballon has to go currently investigating an incident of criminal damage which occurred in the Adamstown area uh, between 10pm and 8pm from the 3rd and into the 4th of December. Uh, a number of windows in a car were damaged overnight and we're asking that if anyone might have been in the area, may have been passing at the time, may have dash cam footage or have made it notice anything out of the ordinary to contact Ballonhassett Garda Station 021-488-5102. Okay, and just to uh, warn people in advance that there's going to be some uh, temporary road closures. This is to do with the Sean Hale Centenary Commemoration that's happening in Bandon. That's this coming Sunday, isn't it? That's right, Patricia. Yes, the Brigadier General Sean Hale Centenary Commemoration will take place on Sunday, the 11th of December uh, 22 at uh, Bank Place, Bandon. And there will be road closures between 1 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. And there, there's, we're expecting a large crowd to be in attendance, so the road closures will apply to North Main Street and St. Fimber's Place. Uh, no traffic will be allowed through Bank Place for the duration of the event. And westbound traffic approaching from Bandon on the N71 will be diverted at Kevin O'Leary's roundabout. And eastbound traffic approaching Bandon on the R586 will be diverted at Baxter's Bridge. Traffic will be able to access the town from Glaston Road via St. Patrick's Quay or Max Sweeney's Quay. And as I said, there'll be a large crowd in attendance, uh, young and old, and I suppose just people to have patience on the day with us. Uh, it won't take too long, but it's just for the period of time and to, to honour the memory of uh, General, uh, Brigadier General Sean. Absolutely. Hayes. OK, seeing as we spoke about those uh, animals being stolen in Bally de Hob and also the large shed that went on fire in Skibbereen, you've got some farm theft tips for us. It's just a few tips, yes, Patricia, just with, uh, I suppose, timely reminder for people just in relate with these incidents having occurred, just to restrict access to their yard and install and lock gates, um, especially at night time, and ensure their yard is well lit up. Um, it's very important that it can be um, a deterrent for would-be um, uh, criminals if, if, um, if the area is well lit. Um, and to, I suppose just in relation to machinery and items, to take pictures of their machinery with uh, and uh, any unique ID features that the that the uh, equipment or machinery may have, 
and as always we'd, we'd always ask that um, matters be reported to Gardaí um, as quickly as possible which will, will always help us in the process of investigation. Yeah and taking photographs now is so much easier because we all have cameras on our phones. That's right Patricia yeah. it's very easy to take a photograph on your phone uh, of an item and even if the storage I know on phones may go it, it, to email it on to themselves they'll yeah, always have it. and then they'll have it yeah, yeah, yeah good yeah, tip yeah. good tip. Okay we've had uh, very frosty mornings and we know we've got a we're, we're going to have a cold spell certainly across the weekend and early into next week so you're saying be winter ready that's right um, winterready.ie is a, is a website people may um, might want to familiarise themselves with in light of the cold weather at the moment um, for road users specifically uh, they should drive carefully, carefully um, with the conditions um, at the moment uh, ensure, I suppose ensure their windscreen is clear and they miss before they commence their journey just to give themselves that little bit of time to make sure the windscreen is clear and check their lights and indicators it's also important to keep dipped headlights on at all times and this weather so people can uh, see the motors coming and make sure their mobile phone is topped up uh, charged just in case that they get caught somewhere the car breaks down that they're able to contact someone and tyre pressure is another just to, to, to ensure that their tyre is up to the manufacturer's re- recommendation and the condition of the tyre is good it's a good condition and beware always beware of pedestrians and cyclists as they may not always be lit up or where the hive is and just finally, just a little bit of extra time for their journey in these cold mornings, um, just to get to get from A to B as safely yeah, as possible. Yeah, and, and I think really good advice on the dipped headlights. And I know parts of Cork, we've had a very, it's been, there was a lot of dense fog uh, during the week. And, you know, people have their fog lights on, but to remember to switch them off when you when you when you're out of right. a fo- out fog the amount of people that contact us to say will you tell people to turn off their fog lights it's the kind of a thing you forget about but you, but you try to remember it that's it it's very important yeah the lighting is is important to be seen but it's also to be cognizant other road users it can affect them as well so uh, definitely to turn off the uh, fog lights when when it, when it's not needed is very important um during these uh, these evenings when the lights are on a lot. Okay, we were talking yesterday about the uh, the Christmas parties and the office parties and they're and they're back in full That's swing. Right. You want to keep everybody safe this Christmas. That's right. Just uh, just a couple of things. Just when people are heading out, uh, I suppose after so long not being able to go, people are are looking forward to celebrations again and going out with their colleagues and friends over Christmas. Um, I suppose just uh, if on a night out, just to plan your trip out and home, just to ensure you've uh, your lift arranged to be collection time and just know that you have that organised and that you're not having to walk home at the late hours of the night um, in areas that may not be lit up and I suppose another point would be to tell someone where you're going and when you'll be back just so that someone has an idea when to expect you just in case that uh, uh, something might ha- um, go, go wrong just that you have that um, person at home waiting that knows you're due back and will be able to check up on you and just to keep your handbag closed and don't put your wallet in your back pocket, just on the phones. I know people use to tap with their phones and, and other items to, to pay for pay for um, drinks, etc. Just to make sure that they have these items kept securely um, while they're out on the night out. And just one other thing would be just if people are walking home to try and use footpaths, stay in a well little area, but also
also to take a high vis with them. It's a it's a very small item that can be put in a coat pocket or mm. into a handbag, and it look it can make a big difference. And uh, for the sake of carrying it, it, it is worth having if if there is a chance that you may be walking home at night. Okay, and don't forget to call in our neighbours and friends, make sure they're okay in this cold spell. That's it. As we head into Christmas, it can be a difficult time for for the elderly. So, uh, and especially with the cold weather, it's important just to make sure they have whatever supplies they need. They may need and uh, may they, they have the supplies they need just to stay warm and may need assistance in lighting a fire or whatnot but just to make sure that they're okay and again I'm sure they'd be delighted to see a friendly face yeah. calling in to say hello at this time of year because uh, the dark dark evenings can be quite long so it's nice to have uh, someone a neighbour calling in to say hello and it helps to pass the evening away for a small okay. bit of time and God forbid if people need the help of Angarda Siakona you're there 24-7 even over Christmas that's it yes Patricia I suppose it's just to reiterate um, that we are available 24-7 and, and people should not hesitate to contact us we can assist in any way we can we will always try and assist people and help them out and as always we do appreciate the public's assistance throughout the year and thank them for their continued support um, without their help and support um, we wouldn't be able to function correctly and we, we do appreciate the, all the help they give and ensure that we can uh, we will always provide assistance where we can Okay listen thanks as always have a, have a, a great Christmas and, and a happy new year um, uh, Connor. but thanks for joining us on the programme Thanks, Patricia, and thanks to you and your team for your continued support. Uh, you. Good morning to you. Bye bye, Sergeant Connor McCarthy from Bandingar. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And we've just got two more days for our Super Value gift card competition by tomorrow. We will have given away in total five thousand euro here at C103 and our Christmas coverage your chance to win every day a 500 euro festive shopping spree you're listening at nine in the morning two in the afternoon and five in the evenings to count the Christmas bells and when you've counted them up for the whole day you then text her WhatsApp Martina on drive time with the total amount for your chance to win now yesterday Martina made a call to Donnerail and she spoke with James Walsh. James, I want you to tell me how many bells did we play today? Uh, 15. 15 it was! Lovely. Yes, that is the sound of success right there. Uh, congratulations, James. Have you made any big plans for Christmas yet? Uh, we'll, have, we'll have about 10 people for dinner right there. <gasps> That's a lot. Do you do the cooking? Uh, won't help with it anyway. You'll help and maybe a bit of tidying up and set the table and all the rest. Keep the fire, keep the logs on the fire. Congratulations. Thanks. And a very Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Well done, James Walsh in Donnerail, our latest winner of a 500 euro festive shopping spree at Super Value with C103's Christmas cover. They're perfect for every occasion. They're available in store or online for e-gift cards and they can be sent with a very personal message. You search Super Value gift card and then you're listening out weekdays 9 a.m. 2pm and again at 5pm to win only on C103. Let me catch up with calls and comments coming into the programme. Um, I kicked off earlier with a very annoyed uh, listener who contacted us because they got into the car, drove to the motor tax office on Monday, all ready to pay their motor tax to discover it's still closed to the public and the listener wasn't aware of it and she really, really was very annoyed about it all and then we subsequently found out that you we know all public services they want us to do everything online now so they say the easiest way to tax your car is online but that of course is not for everyone but there there is a system whereby you can book an appointment and they will 
allow people to go into the tax office but there's no walk-ins the way there used to be before the pandemic and uh, John, John Paul says that we had a number of calls actually about this as a lot of people are thinking oh sure everything's relatively back to normal post the pandemic and the public offices are all open and they're only finding out when they get to the tax office that it isn't open so we were passing on that number that I gave out when I mentioned it earlier it's an 021 uh, number it's a customer contact centre for Cork County Council 45 Four four five six six, and John Paul said a number. He passed that number on to a number of people who contacted us in recent uh, weeks, and a lot of those callers came back and said, "Yeah, that was perfect." Rang the number, got my appointment, and we got uh, sorted out. So there is another way if you're not able to go online or you don't want to go online and you don't want to do the postal option. But that has led to uh, some texts in from people, including Phil says, "It's an absolute disgrace to us elderly people who did not grow." up with computers. Everyone should be back at work. Doors should be wide open to the general uh, public and we shouldn't be handing out excuses for that lady who went to the bother of driving up to the tax office only to discover that the door was closed. Phil very annoyed on her behalf. And then someone else says listening to the lady who wasn't able to renew her car tax because she turned up in person and they're not allowing walk-ins. I think older people are just forgotten about, myself included. We're not able to manage online. It's annoying having to ask people to do private business for us. Older people, in my opinion, are in the way. And in a lot of cases, we are not being uh, respected. And um, yeah, I do accept that there are a number of older people who just are not in any way have the smarts or not even the smarts but they just haven't as that person said didn't grow up with computers have no understanding of computers no understanding of going online that's not to say though there are another cohort of older people who have very much embraced technology and they're very much online all of the time but there will always be people who, who for whatever reason didn't embrace uh, technology and, and I agree it is uh, annoying and embarrassing some people would say as well to have to ask somebody else and particularly if it's private business and you don't want to be sharing bank details with anybody else etc or you might want other people to know what your business is and more and more we're being pushed everything is been pushed towards online so I can sense people's uh, frustration but then when you talk about older people and young at heart and all of that Liz Downs who joined us on the on the programme in the last hour talking about her over 40 years of volunteering with the Girl Guides and volunteering with a whole host of other different uh, commu- community um organisations. What a fantastic woman and she's in her 70s and is just as young as heart. She's as young as any 21 year old and as active I think as any 21 year old and a number of people really enjoyed my interview with Liz so thank you for that. People taking time out to say uh, it was a pleasure to listen to Liz on the programme. Uh, one part, Winnie says what an amazing woman I actually said Winnie had the pleasure of meeting of uh, meeting Liz as recently as just last Monday. Liz covers all ages and she's a dynamo in age friendly also fabulous person says Winnie who is a member of Bantry Age Friendly. Thank you for that Winnie and thank you for taking the time uh, to uh, to to send in that text and someone else says hi uh, Patricia what a refreshing woman Liz was to hear on the radio listening to her dedication to the Young Girl Guide uh, programme Fair Play to uh, her and then on just on uh, girl guides and girl guiding and all of that uh, hi Patricia we had a most successful scout and girl guides here in Domamoy and the leaders were absolutely brilliant 
Uh, these the children of whom they had very large crowds over the years still to this day have a very special connection with their group leaders and that's what Liz was saying she loves meeting somebody who will recognise her and how are you Liz and you know and she said she'd love to stop and ask who are you now again and then she'd have to be reminded who they are she said they had a respectful connection with this wonderful group to name a few Alma Murphy Margaret Collins Doreen Toomey Julie O'Connor Phyllis McCarthy and not forgetting Reverend Hillard, Mairead Higgins and recently deceased Margaret Barry. Don't think these leaders realise the impact they had on these now middle-aged adults with homes and responsibilities of their own. Well done for to all, but particularly well done to Liz and staying with the organisation for more than 40 years, which is incredible. And I wonder, is there, are there many more in guiding that have been there that long uh, as well? It is in itself. It's just an incredible achievement to have stuck with it. And she's loving it. You could hear it in her voice. She's loving it as much today as she did when she first started working with the guides all those years ago. And as she said, she went in because her, her little seven-year-old <laughs> wanted to join the Brownies and she was going to give up an hour a week, nearly an hour over 40 years later. And she's still involved. She's an, an incredible woman. And there's many more like her. I mean, that's why we had her on the programme because that report came out showing the proportion of over 65s who are so involved with volunteering and mentoring and just really helping to keep communities uh, together. Uh, long may they continue their great work 0818103103 if you have questions please for Jane Pickett our resident vet can you get those uh, into us because Jane is going to be joining us in this hour on the programme and just on Jane joining us to talk about uh, um, animals uh, people might be interested to know um, that dog microchipping licensing and enforcement are all going to be tightened up though this is part of the government crackdown on dog controls and obviously this is to do with that little nine year old boy from Enniscorthian County Wexford who was mauled by a pit bull that little boy Alejandro still in hospital still being treated in Crumlin Children's uh, Hospital for very very serious injuries and following that attack the government is now planning to do a major crackdown on dog controls. The move is going to see tighter laws around microchipping, tighter laws around dog licensing and enforcement. Now, the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, he's actually appointed the Agriculture Minister, Charlie McConnellogue, to look at tightening dog controls. But Charlie McConnellogue has, has now had to write to other ministers seeking their help because, and I wasn't aware of this, several departments have different responsibility when it comes to the area of dog control. So the Department of Agriculture, the minister, has had to write to the Social Protection and Rural Affairs Minister, namely Heather Humphreys, as the control of dog acts comes under her rural portfolio. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Housing Minister, Darrell O'Brien, who does already has enough on his plate, He's had to be contacted because he's responsible for local councils and it's local councils who oversee the policing and the enforcement of dog controls. And of course, it's also the local councils who issued the dog licence. So the Minister for Agriculture's own department, what what do they do? They oversee the dog microchipping. So there's three different government departments involved. And just last April, the Department of Rural and Community Development, they published a review of dog control measures in Ireland. And at that time in April, the department found that measures targeting specific breeds 
would not on their own improve dog control and they advised there was a need to further promote a culture of responsible dog ownership. They said at the time that the restricted breed list, while not perfect, it did play a role in the control of dogs because it was a clear, understandable tool that local authorities could see to ensure that certain dogs were muzzled at all times when out in public and on a lead on all times and a strong, short lead when out in public. The department also said back in April that it intended to amend the list. They're going to include another breed. It's a breed called Pressa Canario. I don't know what that dog is, but it's obviously one of those big, strong dogs. And see, with that particular breed of dog, um, were attacked a woman in uh, County Galway in 2017 and the woman died following the attack from that particular dog. And that dog is still is today, still isn't on our dangerous dog list. So it is going to be added. But I think the key in all of that is the enforcement. Yes, you know, people will say we have this restricted breed and it's not called, a da- I, I keep getting picked up on that. It's not called the dangerous dog list. It's called the restricted breed uh, list. And, you know, it is clearly there. Councils can see if you have one of these dogs on the restricted list, then you can't, if you're out in public and you don't have your dog muzzled or your dog isn't on, on uh, a leash, then you can be fined. But the problem is it's the enforcement. We need proper enforcement uh, of it. So it's good to see that from the Taoiseach down now, this is coming from the highest level of government, they want more done to tighten up dog controls. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Now, the HSC Mobile Vaccination Unit is running a COVID vaccine clinic at Clonakilty GAA Club today. They're there this morning, but they're there again this afternoon between half one and three o'clock. Now, you can book an appointment online at hse.ie forward slash book or you can simply turn up in person and walk in this afternoon. But it is important that you check your eligibility online at hse.ie before you book your appointment. Let a more pantomime this year is Puss in Hoots preceded by the inventive genius of Garnish. It's on at the community centre tomorrow night, Friday, but again on Saturday and then the following week, Friday and Saturday, 8pm each night, admission 10 euro and it is cash only. There is a table quiz going to be held in aid of the Cork Simon community. That's on tomorrow in Horrigan's Lounge in Newmarket at a quarter to nine. Looking for teams of four, please, 30 euro to enter. And a fundraising night for the wonderful Blackwater Search and Recovery will be held in the local bar in Glamworth tomorrow night. Music from 9pm with Steve and friends along with special guests tomorrow night. A great night is assured. And I've just spotted a text in asking me to mention bingo in Doris Community Hall tomorrow night, Friday the 9th at 8pm. And bingo is also on in Kildarry tomorrow night in the Parish Hall. Please note the change of venue for Kildarry Bingo. It, uh, the jackpot is €1,220. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
talking about people not trying to get access to the tax office and how everything now is gone online. Listener says, morning Patricia, I've renewed my car insurance last week and I'm now expected to print out my own insurance certificate. And the listener sent on a copy of what they got from the car insurance which says your certificate and disc will be emailed to you within 24 hours. Please print using a colour printer to ensure you're adhering to the Road Traffic Act because you need the little green strip, don't you, down the side. The insurance certificate and disc has been sized to A4 paper when printing please make sure your printer settings are set to portrait and full colour you need to get back onto them and tell them you don't have a colour printer because if you don't have a colour printer you can't print it off even if you have a printer at home and it's only black and white ink in it then that's you can't use that in your car and usually they give you an option to say do, you know because if you don't because not everybody has a colour printer or either at home or access to a colour printer at work I'd be getting back onto them saying sorry hon I don't have a colour printer post me out my insurance car insurance certificate God knows we pay enough on our car insurance the least they can do is post us out our certificate and hi Patricia listening to your contributions about a motor tax office I'd reason to go there to deliver a document now I was aware at the time that it was closed this was during the pandemic and I only wanted to post it through their letterbox Um, and this was before it had reopened by appointment could I find a mailbox when I arrived at the Cork Motor Tax Office? There was another elderly couple there as well. And between the elderly couple and myself, we tried every option to drop off our envelopes. Eventually, we managed to spot a security person inside in the bil- building and then had to proceed to bang on the window to get his attention. Is it possible, says this texture, that a public building has no letterbox? Because we definitely couldn't find one. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose when the postman comes in the morning, the, is the no, sure, it's not even open for the postman to drop in the, the letters. Is it possible that a public building wouldn't have a letterbox? Because when when I went on to to find out for for the lady who went up and discovered it was closed to find out what's the best option in order to get her tax, her motor car taxed because she doesn't have the facility to go online and the person who had done it for her has emigrated since so she doesn't have anyone to go online uh, for her and they did say you can post it to the Cork Motor Tax Office on the Model Farm Road so they are accepting postal applications but if they've no if they've no post box, I have no idea how does how, what does how, what does the postman have to do? But thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Now let me see if I can find where this is. There it is. Okay, the traditional share Christmas party celebration took place yesterday. It is the first time since 2019, due to the pandemic restrictions, that they were able to have their little bit of a Christmas party. Now we all know, of course, share are the organisation that cares for Cork's older people. They have 140 independent living housing units. So we sent our reporter Mairead to it. We sent her along to the Christmas party yesterday to find out how everybody was getting on and she started by speaking with one of the residents and this is Bridget. I'm living here now but my home is out there the viaduct up the hill and just out there my cemetery is St James. I'm not there yet. My man was there. Yeah. And tell me how you came to, to live here. Oh, I tell you, I've been in Dublin for years. And I just stayed in Dublin for five years on my own tablet. My cancer's gone. Smart, a bit of an operation, but I have my breast. And um, I just stayed out there. Dinner was in the building for a while, but I was up and down with my mum. She was in 100 years. And she died in the nursing home in Newtown Park, nursing home, Ballinor. 
It's actually lovely. I mean, I Dublin has got so huge and there's been so much change that you know it's it's um, it's really nice to be living in Cork. My name is James Ryan. I lived in England for 46 years. And how did you come to, to live in Sherry? Uh, through Save Funds Ireland. And so when you when you made the decision to move, I suppose what prompted it? I was looking out the window one day in my old home in London and I said it's time to come home and I made the decision to come back and I'm back here three and a half years. And what's that like, the transition? What's it been like? It's been wonderful and Share is a wonderful organisation and the lady over it, the lady over it and Noreen, she's fabulous and all the staff. And moving from a place like London back to, to Cork, what was that like? At first I found it a bit daunting, but then I settled in. The old saying is, it's not where you live, it's how you live in the company you keep. And tell me about that, the company that you do keep. What's the, the, the crack like? Uh, here, the tenants are fabulous. Wonderful. I had a corporation house in Han. Lovely area, fantastic place. With circumstances, unfortunately, you know, got very tough. And um, we were overcrowded. I had five sons. And, you know, between this and that, and my health was, uh, wasn't too good. It was suggested to me to, to uh, visit here and explain my situation. And uh, it took a while, but um, they listened to me. They were very courteous to me and understanding. Jack Barr, I'm in fifth year in press. I signed up to share at the end of fourth year. And I kind of, I don't know, I've been in share since. I, I collected for share last year since fourth year, uh, but this year I kind of took it to step up and I decided to become part of the executive, which is like kind of the, there's 20 from Prez and there's two from every other school that's decided to become involved. Um, so I am one of the 20 from Prez. And what's it like working with share? We have meetings every Thursday. I have a group of people which I talk to every week uh, and like people like residents here that I'll speak to every week and I'll you know just check in on them make sure they're doing well do anything they can't like a lot of people just like they can't reach high places you know because their backs they're what so on and so forth and we're just do, we're just helping them around the places but on the 15th we start our actual proper collection and that's when things that's when things are really getting in the swing we're gonna get the we're gonna get the system going we're firing on firing on all cylinders getting everything working 
Well, they are fantastic, the boys and girls of Share. So keep a lookout uh, for them because as always, they'll be on Patrick uh, Street at the Share Christmas. Uh, and take a, take a the crib. They normally have a crib up, but they'll be out on Patrick Street uh, collecting in the run up to Christmas. And it's the money that they collect that goes, goes towards those 140 independent uh, living housing units. It's one of those real fantastic organisations out of Cork that we can be so, so uh, proud of. So thanks to Maraid and glad to see that everyone seemed to have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas party uh, yesterday and the food, somebody said, absolutely stuffed after the big Christmas meal. It's uh, it's terrific. OK, just a couple of uh, texts in. And by the way, keep your pet questions coming because Jane is going to join us in a couple of minutes. 0818 103 103. Uh, you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103. Just back on motor tax uh, and uh, says on the postal option, she did the postal option to chat it back in about uh, four days. Now, Anne says she's computer literate. She's used the uh, computer many times. She actually did a course. Well done. And I brought herself up to speed. But she says the problem that she's now having and she reckons this is going to affect more and more people. It's the cost of uh, broadband. So they're not as cheap as they used to be and in some cases broadband now can be quite expensive. And said I live on a state pension so I'm worried enough about the electricity bill and we know how they're rising all the time so not to mind other bills and she is cancelling or has cancelled uh, her broadband. So and that got me thinking as well. I mean that's that's just not going to be an issue for older people. That's going to be an issue for younger people as well. If families continue to struggle and the cost of living continues to go up and people are trying to cut their cloth to their measure. Some people will look at broadband and say, well, that's a kind of a luxury that I can do without, particularly if you can't get the very cheap options that used to be there. So I think, Anne, yeah, you've highlighted something something that is going to affect a lot of people at a time when everything is being pushed. We seem to be constantly pushed to do everything online. Joe says the post office should take over all the motor tax work as they're open six days a week and they're always looking for extra services to keep our post office network going. It would be ideal. And I know the postmasters and postmistresses have been pushing for that, Joe, for quite some time. They would love the option of being able to renew motor tax for people. And then John in Donnerail had to renew his driving licence. And again, driving licence, they're trying to encourage people to do that online. Uh, John said he did want to do it online. So he rang the NDLS centre. I'm assuming Donnerail was the one in Mallow posted him out the forms he popped everything back in the post gave him all of the information he needed and he said within eight working days his new driver's license arrived so I suppose the point that people are making is there are options rather than online to go the old-fashioned route of the postal service and don't be forgetting that before we go to Jane here's a lovely text in and it kind of ties in with us talking to Jane it's from the West Cork Animal Welfare Group and it says a dog walk in memory of Clonakilty dog lover Jean Lowney who died during the summer will take place at Inchidani Beach next Sunday at 1.45pm which would have been Jean's 51st birthday weekend and donations will be welcome on the day or online and they're collecting for the West Cork Animal Welfare Group and I think Jean will be smiling down and will love the idea that her birthday weekend has been used to raise funds for a group that was very close to her. So the best of luck to everybody there at the West Cork Animal Welfare Group. We're going to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group where Jane Pickett uh, joins me. Um, Good afternoon to you, Jane. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me start with a question in about an elderly dog that says, uh, Hi, Patricia and Jane, I have an elderly dog. He's heading towards his 17th birthday. Now, for the last 10 years or thereabouts, she has suffered with a bad back. She's been on Loxicon, but lately, as she seems to be sleeping more, she also appears to find it hard to get up and will be shaking a little bit when she initially stands up. My feeling is that she could be in more pain and there seems to be more stiffness. I'm wondering, is there anything else that the vet will be able to prescribe to her? I'm thinking, is there anything like injections that a human would be able to get for pain? Is there anything similar for dogs? Okay, so 17 is is quite an age. That's quite spectacular. And I suppose as we age, it's quite natural for our habits to change. So sometimes sleeping a little bit more is quite normal, as it is in humans, it is in dogs. Um, But it is a bit concerning what you're saying about the struggles to get up and shaking once we've initially got up. That does sound like your pet might be a little bit painful. So well done for noticing that. Um, The drug that you're on at the moment, Loxicam, so that's a brand name of a drug called Meloxicam, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. So that's kind of one family of pain relief we have. Really good for anti-inflammation but really great pain relief too and and in a lot of cases um as long as the pet is otherwise well it it's really great pain relief and most dogs seem to do really well on it but as time goes on and if arthritis progresses and the stiffness progresses sometimes one drug alone may not cut it anymore and that that sounds like that might be the case here there are plenty of other options both things that could be used in addition to the loxicom or and perhaps a, a change might be appropriate in your pet your own vet will be the best person to let you know because they'll know the background issues with your pet and if they have any other conflicting factors any other problems with for example their liver and their kidneys that might change things so i would say a good discussion with your vet will be the best thing to do here but there are plenty of options so please don't lose heart there are indeed injectable options in some cases there is one drug that um can be given as a monthly injection and some patients get really great relief for that from that but again that's only suitable in, in certain patients and your own vet will know your pet really well and be the best person to guide you there but there are plenty of options so don't worry i'm sure there will be a way working with your vet to help your pet to be to be comfortable as he as he goes into his golden years at 17. Okay, well, well done on, on keeping the dog uh, that long. Now, Breather has been on saying, uh, hi, could you ask Jane, what extra bedding could I put into uh, an outside shed for the orphans? They're seven-month-old kittens. They sleep in a small doghouse, but I'm worried about them now, particularly as we are heading into a very, very cold spell and the front is wide open to the elements. Now, I try to feed them as late as possible at night and also, would anyone have any any tricks on how to keep the water bowl from freezing by the way i can't bring them into the house because i already have three house cats extra okay, bedding so extra bedding i think i suppose my first suggestion would have said be, bring them inside the house if that was at all possible but if it's not it's not and um, we just have to do our best with the situation so i really try if if the water bowl is still freezing inside in the house it's going to be too cold regardless of how much bedding you put in there i think unless you can get it kind of more insulation in there and um, because bless them you know let's say young young cats are really really not very resilient to the elements so cold weather like what we have at the moment and what's coming up um will be a real challenge for those so i'd say if there is somewhere an outhouse or a shed not kind of like just a dog house that might have a bit more insulation 
location that you could potentially safely move them to, then that might be a preferred option to consider. Um, but if, if that house is really the only option you have, um, I'd suggest lots of really, really thick bedding. So pretty much anything you have uh, around the house, as long as it's kind of cushiony and many, many layers, because we really want that air to trap in between many layers of bedding and insulate it from the inside. If there is any way, you can try and insulate the walls as well. So I suppose uh, other other ways to think laterally about it, you can sometimes get off cuts of insulation from people who might have yeah. been doing their housing yeah. um, and maybe try and attach those on just to really try and keep any heat in that you can. But I, I would say, you know, with the cold weather coming up, it, it doesn't sound like an ideal situation if it's if it's cold enough that the water is freezing inside I wonder, there. could you put in some um, kind of a box into it as well that would give an extra bit of protection around them and then put all the bedding into the box? Potentially. Yeah. yeah, potentially you could do, but I think the ambient temperature of the air will be a really important thing for them, particularly in, in younger animals. They're really not resilient um, for that. As regards stopping water bowls from freezing, I know a trick from my, my horse loving days was sometimes putting a bowl in into the, the top of the water so that, you know, it could be pushed down and it would be able to release water. So that's a way of doing it. But obviously you need to be really careful to use something that couldn't be accidentally eaten by the patient or eaten by the eaten by the the or the dog um, and cause a foreign body risk so you have to be really careful with that so normally I just recommend avoiding the situation entirely make sure that their water bowl is somewhere where it's it's not going to get frozen but best of luck it sounds like a really difficult situation you're trying to do your very best for them but um, with the colder days coming up it'll it'll be a challenge Okay Julie has a problem with a cat the cat is six months old perfect during the day but as soon as they go to bed and the cat sleeps in the kitchen the cat is bawling at the kitchen door how do they stop the cat crying at night it's obviously lonely is it most likely yeah particularly if they have a lot of contact with um with humans during the day if it suddenly all goes quiet and cats are really not like us in the sense of they don't work on a, a very kind of day and night um anybody who's kind of had a cat for a long time sometimes during certain parts of the year for example the summertime they might be hunting in the evenings so that means that they'll sleep all day and be awake all night so it may be loneliness it may be that this cat's um this young little cat might not have adjusted to kind of the the lifestyle where you know the fun happens during the day and at night time we sleep and some some don't ever sometimes you know they they run on their own little schedule i think if you can try and make steps to make there be a little bit of noise around so that it's not going totally quiet at night so maybe have the radio on in the background make sure that where they're sleeping is somewhere they're really really cozy and they feel safe and they're comfortable and warm there just in case they're uncomfortable if it's a bit too chilly overnight um, and they're kind of bawling to be to be let out or let into somewhere more comfortable that could be something some people will have their cats roaming all over the house in the night. I know there's many people who have the cats sleep on the bed. It's not necessarily something I'd, I'd recommend, but I know a lot of people do that. So I, I suppose it's really just finding a way in which your cat is comfortable. Um, but also it's, it's, you know, within the boundaries of what you want for your house and for your family. So I'd say initially try and just make sure what they're what they're sleeping in at the moment is super comfortable. Ambient temperature is good and a little bit of background noise. Sometimes even putting a little hot water bottle or a ticking clock in with them can help. Just a little bit of noise, very much like when they were with their mum can sometimes help. OK, and what and someone else wants to know what's the best food for cats? Is it dried, wet or a mix of both? Uh, the current advice is a mix of both. Um, so we always used to say that, you know, dry food is best for their teeth. And yes, absolutely, it is best for their teeth. But we know longer term, their kidney health can sometimes benefit from having a wet aspect to their diet. So the current advice is usually a good mix of both.
Okay, and yeah, and the wet is it, it, the the wet is a great way to get them into the dried because if you start them on, if you but just just wetting the nuts, isn't it? A bit of warm water. You can do. I suppose normally I would recommend um, that if, if your pet will eat the nuts without soaking them, that that's the best thing because you really want to get the, the crunch factor, which will help keep the teeth nice and clean and the dental health good. And if you soak them, you begin to lose that because they become a little bit mushy and they're almost kind of like a, an almost soft food. So normally I'd recommend that you keep the nuts dry and feed the wet food wet. Um, some people will mix the two together if you have a particularly picky eater. But others will separate them out so they'll have two little bowls, a little bowl of the, the dry and a little bowl of their portion of the wet. They'll, so they'll either like is absolutely one. fine, but All right. make sure the flies don't get to it. OK, have a great week and we'll chat to you again next week, Jane. Thank you for that. You, you too. Thank Good you. Good afternoon. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. And we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.